That's good stuff. All right, Luke 24. I better jump in. I don't have too much time. I hope you're ready. Uh, the title of my message, if you like, is The Greatest Day in History and What It Means for You and Me. Uh, the resurrection is told in Luke chapter 24. Uh, I would like to read three portions of this story. Luke 24 is kind of the summary of Jesus' life post-resurrection. Uh, there's a moment that takes place. Tim Keller summarized it really well. He said there's the tomb, and then there's the road, and then there's the room. And so I want to break it into those three sections today and tell you that he's above the tomb, he's on the road, and he's in the room. But let's begin with the tomb. Luke 24, verse 1, and I believe you're going to be so encouraged today that uh, no matter how you came in, that you would just leave feeling full. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took spices they had prepared, and they went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. I love that this story, we keep reading the same story, but it never gets old. I like that. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Like it's obvious. Perhaps just a side note reminder of the Easter story, the good news invitation of the gospel, is for us as God's people to not be looking for the living among the dead. I like to say it like this. You're not going to find heaven's gold in borrowed graves. You're not going to discover the beauty of what God has for you in what man has put together. You're only going to see it in what God is doing supernaturally. And so I hope today God gives you a lens for the living, like just helps you see where life is at. And maybe it's just to lift your eyes today back onto who He is and what He's doing for us. Let's keep reading. Verse 6, He's not here, He has risen. Remember how He told you while He is still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then the woman remembered his words. Today is just a reminder of words that have been said many times over, but carry new weight every time. Let's be reminded of his words today, that I will be crucified, but on the third day I will be raised to life. And that will change everything in human history. Let's be reminded of that today. And when they came back to the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them, who told the apostles these things. They're telling them the good news. He's not there. He's risen. But they did not believe the woman. I could preach a whole series on that at Sisterhood, Tess. I'll be honest. Just saw that now. That's powerful. Because their words seem to be like nonsense. That's also powerful, but that's not what we're here to speak about today. Peter, however, got up. <laughs> All right, just having a bit of fun. I've lost some people in the room. He got up and he ran to the tomb. Stick with me. Ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away wondering to himself, what has happened? He knows the story. He's been told the story. He's heard the story. He's heard it through friends. He's watched Link online. He's read the Bible. But he's still wondering what happened. I want to just encourage you today to let God show you what happened again. Let God show you what He is up to again. Not what Link has put together, not what a friend has told you once before, but the story that God Himself told through Jesus. May we be reminded of that once again. And so the first thought I have for you today is simply this, He's above the tomb. The first encouragement I have for you on the Easter story or in the Easter story is, He is above the tomb. Now we know he broke out from the tomb. We know that the tomb couldn't hold him. We sing these songs and it's, it's an encouragement, but it's good to remind us that he's above it, that he's seated in victory, that Jesus is no longer suffering in darkness, that he's seated in victory. And word reminds us that we have been raised with the same power in us 
that raised him from the dead, we are being brought to life in him. He's above the tomb. I've noticed that in the, in the story of this world, life ends in death. And yet in the story of the gospel, death ends in life. In other words, it's not the way we see it all the time. We assume certain things end a certain, oh, I'm going to preach a little bit this Easter Sunday. Certain things end a certain way. This failure ends in a certain way. This narrative ends in a certain way. This relationship means a certain loss, failure, darkness, tomb, if you like. But in the gospel, what we think is life ends in death. God, friends, God thinks differently. Death ends in life, which means that your failure could be reworked for his good. Which means the dark tomb of your circumstance could also be opened up and released to eternal life in Him. And that's the Easter story. He's above the tomb. Can I say it like this? He's above our circumstance. He, he, he is not confined by our circumstance. Uh, let's give a few options for that. Perhaps today you're feeling lonely for the loss of a loved one. I know many in our community, Easter is a hard day because maybe even for some it's the first time without that loved one by your side. And I want you to know he's above the darkness of that feeling. He, he, he is not, he's not far from you. He's with you. But he's risen from the darkness of loneliness and death. And I want you to know that your loved one is dwelling in an eternal glorious light right now. And there's a totally different story because of Easter that we get to enjoy. Perhaps dreams have died. Uh, relational burdens. You just walk in, just, if you're honest, there's a weight and there's a heaviness. These are, these are tomb realities. These are life circumstances. And what I love about the Easter story is every time God's people go looking for where He's at, He's always above the tomb. He's always above our circumstance. He's always above the darkness. He is always illuminescent light. He is always glorious in His presence. There's never a day that we're slightly disappointed by who Jesus was. You know what I'm saying? And Easter reminds us that we will never be disappointed if we keep our eyes on Him. We will have temporary darkness. We will have temporary confinement, if you like. That too must have felt like confinement. We've got Him. We've tied Him up. He's never going to. Sometimes it feels like life. I want you to know, friends, so long as our eyes on Jesus, that won't define us. Because He's above the tomb. And He's above your circumstance. He's rolled away the stone, and He's unlocked eternal light and life. I love how Mark Slev reminded us in the first service, the stone wasn't rolled away to let Him out. He'd do what He wants. It was rolled away to give us access in. You see, the Easter story reminds us that He's above the tomb, which is not just He's risen, it's that we're invited to rise in Him. It's that there's a better life for you and I in Christ. Amen. John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That was the tomb. But I've come to give you life and life in abundance. That's the gospel in Jesus' name. And so God is above the tomb. The second thing I see in the Easter story, and we're going to continue to read a bit, is that he's on the road. And so Jesus is now resurrected as we hear the story. Uh, Mary and the others have gone to tell the disciples. They're a bit concerned. They go and check for themselves. True story, he's risen. He's always risen. And now there's a couple, we believe, on a road to a place called Emmaus, verse 13. Let's pick it up, and hopefully we'll continue to encourage you in the Easter story. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's a long way. And they were walking and talking to each other about everything that had happened. My, my hunch is it wasn't good talk. I've been to Israel. 
Um, I've walked the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's quite, a, it's quite a beautiful scenery. It's like this beautiful meander, but it goes downward. They were walking down. You've heard me preach on this before. It's a picture of us walking away from the high ground, walking away from the thing that we've been born for, walking away. Discouragement can take you far down. Like despair can lead you downward. Anyone else identify with it just for a moment today? And so they're walking downward, and they're talking to each other about the things that have taken place, which is Jesus is gone, hope is done, nothing's going to work out. Now, they don't know the good news yet. And what it says is that Jesus himself comes alongside them. So it says in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. He walked along with them. He didn't stop them. He didn't give them 10 steps to correct their lives before they figured out what to do next. He didn't give them the rule book. He just walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing? As if he doesn't know, as you walk along. And they stood still and their faces downcast. There's the word downcast. That's them. One of them stood, asked, and there's this whole interchange. And then he says to them, what things? Like, like, don't you know about what's just taken place? Don't you know about this Jesus guy that was coming to change things, and now he's gone and he's wrapped up in a tomb and it's all overs? Don't you know about these things? And Jesus just smiles and says, what things? It's, it's, like, it's like he writes off everything that they've gone through or going through or that they've experienced, and he's giving them a new day. You see that part? Yeah, that's worth some praise for sure. Jesus, didn't you hear the story about how I trusted you with something and it didn't work out and it failed and it hasn't, it hasn't been what I thought it would be and I'm feeling a little bit discouraged and I'm walking away from, if I'm really honest, the thing that I'm born for and I've lost a bit of my fire and I've lost a bit of my punch. Can I talk to some of you in the room? And I've lost a bit of my passion and I'm doing my best, but I'm a little bit despondent because what I thought you were and how I thought it would end up didn't end up like that and something was lost or someone was lost or this didn't work out according to plan. And don't you know about these things, Jesus? Of course he does. But he says, what things? Not because he doesn't care, but because he knows those won't define you. He knows those things more intimately. He says, never will I leave you or forsake you, which means even when you were going through that, even though you couldn't see him, he was there. So he's been in those things. He just doesn't see them as life-defining. And this is what takes place in the Easter story when Jesus joins them on the road. Now listen, we all have a road. We all have a journey. For some of us, it looks like one thing, for some of us, another. But the truth is, we're walking through life, and life doesn't give us the privilege of pushing pause, figuring out all the details like the mannequin challenge. Remember that story? Mannequin, pause. Everyone get into place, business, make lots of money, family just flow, you know, dinner table, just be full. And all this stuff starts to say, okay, play. Hey, guys, what happens? Back to life. It's not like that. And the reason no one's enjoying my humor is because you're identifying with the pain. <laughs> But life doesn't present us a pause button. It just keeps going. A, a sermon was preached once, he's on the way, or God is on the way. Which is to say, he's on his way to you, but he also meets you on your way. In other words, there's no need to stop, pause, figure it all out, and then go again. It's just to realize that he's walking with you. He's walking with them. It's pretty awesome. Down further in the story, as he has this interchange with them, and they start to realize, okay, this guy knows a little bit. They say to him, 
hey, Jesus, would you stick around with us? And he says, sure. And he goes into their house and he breaks bread and they see it's him and they say, this surely must be the Messiah. And they get up, he disappears, and they walk back to Jerusalem. They return to the very thing they've been born for. Not because they mustered up the courage. Not because they pushed pause and figured out life. Can I just preach a bit of honest truth this morning? Not because they've made sense of the next 10 years of their season. Am I going to do this? Aren't I going to do this? Should I put my child there? Shouldn't I? Should I immigrate? Should I stay? Is she or isn't he? What am I going to do? Preaching, huh? We just, we just said, God, you showed up on the road, and when you were with us, our hearts were burning, and that was more than enough for us to get back to the very thing we've been born for. And today... Today, my prayer is that God would make your hearts burn again as you hear this story. Because a burning heart, a burning heart is a gift to this world, friends. Some of our hearts have gone cold. We've gone into the routine and the motions and we're just walking. And may today, may He show up alongside you in that walk. And may He show you Himself again. And may your heart burn in such a way that you return to the high ground. They urged him, please stay with us because they knew this man has what we need. Friends, this God, this story, this Jesus that I preach of, not me, not our church, not our songs. Jesus has what you really need. And it's amazing because he says, how foolish of you and slow to believe. He's, he's like, he's, he's dealing with two groups of people. He's like saying, on the one hand, how, those that know the answers, don't care about understanding anything, they, they're always the right person in the room. How foolish of you. And then the other one who's just desperately trying to make sense of the story, slow to believe. He said, the cure for both of you is me. So I got everyone in the room now. It's like he includes everyone and says, don't worry, whether it's, whether it's you trying to do it on your own or whether it's you desperately just trying to trust him, both cures are him in Jesus' name. Everyone said. He's above the tomb. He's on the road. And the third thing is, and this is where I get so excited, is he's in the room. The Easter story starts with the tomb. Well, the resurrection story starts with the tomb. He's not here. He's risen. I no longer define things by borrowed graves. Temporary pain. Short-term darkness. Momentary failure. That's tomb stuff. I'm with him i got a different perspective now. And in my new perspective, there's still a road to be walked. And that road isn't always perfect. It's a windy road. But he's on the road and he's walking with me. And he's the secret to me sustaining myself through this journey. Joyce Meyer once said, God hasn't promised us a storm-free life. He's just promised us wings to rise above it. And probably in Easter, something we need to be reminded of is that he who waits on the Lord shall renew his strength. They should rise up on wings like eagles which is to suggest the storms don't necessarily change. Have you ever noticed an eagle? I love watching them. You know this. The storm's coming in. The thermals are swirling. The weather's pushing. The sky's getting dark. People are bailing. Teapots are on the stove. And the eagle's just going up and up. This is like playtime for him. And up and up and up. And the higher he goes the clearer he sees. And there's something supernatural that happens. You see, the world system is you've got to stay in the game. The God system is you've got to position yourself with new perspective. Get your eyes into heaven. Let God show you something fresh. That's why you come to church. You come to church to get fresh perspective, to get lifted above circumstance so that you can see clearly what it looks like to get back down to what you've been called to. And then he's in the room. Let's read it together. This is so beautiful. Worship team, you can get ready to come and join me. 
while they were still talking about this, about what? About Jesus, the empty tomb, the borrowed grave, the resurrection, like people love to chat, right? I want to be one of those guys, like side notes, that while everyone else is discussing what's going on on earth, I'm engaging heaven. Can I preach puns? Like, you know why everyone else says, did you read the news last night? Did you see the news? Did, have you read the title of the news? Did you know what happened? Like, people are always asking me what's going on on the ground in South Africa. I'm telling you guys, the list is too long. I don't have time to give you information about what's happening in our country. But what I can tell you is what's going on in my spirit. We're winning. We're moving forward. We're growing up. We're building houses. We're planting trees. We're raising families. Because I got a different perspective. And so while they're still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. My hunch is they were panicking. <laughs> they were reading the news headlines and panicking. Now, I know you guys never panicked when you've read a headline or the economics and all that kind of stuff. I get that. I'm just saying, like, they might have been panicking because Jesus was coming to change things, and he didn't do what he said or they thought he would. Now he's gone, and they're thinking the whole economy is going to crash. Jerusalem's going to fall apart. Our king's left us. This is a disaster. He's, they're panicking. They're not even aware that he's walked into the room. And that can be us sometimes. They're like, we're so consumed by everything other than him that he's walked into the room. He's standing alongside us, and he's just waiting for a little moment to say simple words. Peace be with you. All right. Yeah, somebody half excited by that clap. The word is shalom. It's a Hebrew word that means fullness be with you. Not just feel good be with you. Fullness, shalom. It's like a fullness. It's like a perfect peace. It's a life that is in order. It's a life that's connected. It's a life that's lifted above circumstances. It's so much bigger than, oh, that feels nice. No, peace be with you is shift everything. So he walks into the room into this season of panic. And he says, Shalom be with you. The irony is he is Shalom. So when he's in the room, it's always Shalom. By the way, if you don't often do church, and this is a once-off, I want to invite you back for the next few weeks. We're launching into a series called Tomorrow Mind, which is this thought that we can actually experience tomorrow's power in today's world just by renewing our minds. I want to encourage you to come back, but if you're not a churchgoer and you're here with a friend and you've kind of appeased their invitation, I'm sorry about them, but I want to invite you personally back to this church to come and sit under the teaching of this word and let him start to show you how awesome he actually is, despite everything you've seen that hasn't worked out, despite all the, all the conversations that have been had around your world that don't make sense. Come and meet with Jesus. Come and see what he's about. Come and change your life. When he's in the room, friends, peace is in the room. Shalom is in the room. Listen to what happens next. It says, peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened. Irony. And you know what he does to speak into this, like startled minds? Let's go down a bit. That's in verse 2. In verse 45, sorry, verse 42. It says, in verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Here's the picture. Easter, Easter weekend. Resurrection Jesus. He's not in the tomb. He's above. He's on the road walking with. And now he's in the room and they're panicking, talking about everything except the good stuff that's gone down with Jesus. And he steps in and he says, peace be with you. And they're like, who are you? You must be a ghost. And he says, before you panic, let me show you a few things in the scriptures. Because the word always confirms his truth. Not me, not our words, his word. 
And so, again, over these next few weeks, we're going to be diving into truths that are confirmed in His Word that change everything for you. And uh, He's in the room. Shout out, peace. It's actually an amazing word when He says that they opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. That word for understanding is where we get our word psyche from. It's, it's, it's not just they make sense. It's they change me. It's like, you know, when someone says, my soul just feels healthy. Like, like I, just, I, just, I just know I'm going to be good. Is the worship team coming? Are they breaking bread backstage? What happened to them? Did they get raptured between now and leaving? I'll pick up the guitar and sing my own praise song. I promise you right now. But it's this thing of understanding. It's, it's so much bigger than, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's no, it, it, it makes sense. The word, the word has found me, and it, it, it makes sense. It's speaking to me deep down. It's not like, it's, it's not like the, the carnal mind or rational mind. It's the supernatural uh, mind of the soul that is strong and made healthy in Him. And it's beautiful, and it's powerful in Jesus' name. And so I called this message the greatest day in history and what it means for you and me because you might find yourself in one of these moments and God wants to meet with you. You may find yourself living or hanging out in borrowed graves, darkness, just not sure what this means, and God wants to remind you of His illuminescent light. You may find yourself walking on a road feeling almost slightly lonely, like, like is it just me going through this? Does anyone else know what's going on here? And I want to tell you, my friend, that Jesus is standing right alongside you. He's walking the next step with you. He's giving you the courage to take another step. And your next step is one step closer to him. And as he reveals himself to you, I promise you, as you walk that road, he is going to show up. Here's the third thing in your room. And perhaps some of you are wondering what it means to have Jesus show up in your room. I remember I was telling the story uh, when I was a student at Stellenbosch. And I, I had kind of done my own thing, and I'd walked away from God, and I was in my fourth year, and I remember messaging a friend the one day saying, hey, I'm, going to, I'm coming to church with you tonight. And he said, I'm, I'm not in town. I'm not going to church. I said, I'm going to church on my own without you tonight. And so he didn't reply, but when I spoke to him afterwards, he said he felt really awkward about it. He just knew it was going to be a weird experience for me. And so I went to this church, and I'd grown up in an Anglican church, quite a formal background, traditional sort of church background, and I went to this charismatic mad thing. Like anyone in the room, like first time you walked into church, just if you're honest, it was like, this is not cool, it's weird. Like, you know what I mean? Like so, some, some Christians have never even swayed at a wedding, but now they're in church and they're coming with an interpretive. <laughs> Your wife has to beg you to get out the chair at the wedding. Hey, we're coming to church and you, you, you just, you're moving. I walked into that, friends. Like, I walked into that. I remember I walked into the back room of the Nielsey, and uh, it's this building in Stellenbosch, and I knew where the building was. I'm like, where am I going here? Where am I going? And I walked into this room, and, and Michael W. Smith, they were, they were at 12 out of 10 singing Michael W. Smith songs. I didn't know Michael W. Smith. I never heard Michael W. Smith. And, and they're going nuts, and their hands are up, and they, they're going, and there's flags, flags. Remember flags? I'm not against it. I just didn't know anything about it. People are weird, man. 
At least that's what I thought until I fell in love with Jesus and realized what a wild love does in us. And I realized that for me that day, I just had to get in the room. I just had to get in the room. That room wasn't perfect. The worship wasn't everything I dreamed. It was a worship service, by the way. No one preached. Just crazy. And I remember Philip, Pastor Philip at the time, he got up, didn't know him at all. And he just said, John 15, 15 says this, I no longer call you servants, for a servant doesn't understand his master's business. And I identified with that. I'd always seen my role as a Christian, as a servant. Like I'm here to serve the church. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to, and I think that is part of it, but it's not where the power lies. And I realized that God was undoing my carnal mind and he was giving me a new spirit. Because my mind was telling me that if I don't serve him, I'm in trouble. But actually serving him is for my good, not his. He doesn't need me. And so he said, a servant doesn't understand his master's business. Then he goes on Jesus, John 15. Go and read it to yourself this evening. It says, but everything the Father has made known to me, I've made known to you. He says, I call you friends. And I remember standing in that room that day. I didn't care how many flags, dances. It didn't matter. I wanted to be a friend. I wasn't in this to show people how much I loved him. I was desperate to know how much he loved me, if I'm honest. And that night I encountered a love that no one has been able to get close to since. Not close. I'm surrounded by amazing people. No one comes close to Jesus. And I remember I would, um, I think I've told these guys the story, I would, I would drive up from my digs. There was a little park there, and parents used to go and run around with their kids in the park. And I was like the weird guy parked in my Isuzu double cab with my Bible open. And every day I opened it at the same place. If they had checked, they would have thought something was wrong. And I would open every day in John 15. And I would just say, God, teach me more about friendships, more about friendship, more about friendship, more about friendship. I'm done with functional Christianity. I want to know what it means to be a friend of God. If you've made everything God known to Jesus, and He said He's going to make it known to me, Jesus, share with me the secrets of heaven. And so God started showing me things in the Word that I'd never seen before. You know why? Because I wasn't a servant. Service was overflow. I was a friend. God shares secrets with His friends. God shares secrets with His sons. I want you to stand with me, Link Church. Jesus showed up in the room that day, and everything changed. Everything changed. And so we're going to take a moment to sing and to lift His name again and remind ourselves of the story of the gospel that He rose on the third and this changed everything. And as we do that, I believe God is going to be stirring something in your hearts. But maybe you're standing here today and you know, I'm that guy, that girl that just had to get in the room today. And honestly, not all of this has made sense, but I can feel Him coming close. And I don't want to leave without making a decision to choose this Jesus as my Lord and Savior and walk with Him as a friend. So let me pray.